Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello, welcome to the last episode in the series. That's nearly a song and then decided not to. Welcome to the first episode in the series. <laughs> no, not first, last. Oh, brain. Um, so after 80 episodes of the podcast, I finally have a winner. I didn't know there was a competition, but it turns out there was. Because this week's guest, Sabrina Gayle, turned up at my house with food to feed me and my producer Claire with after we recorded. So we have a winner. <laughs> Isn't that amazing though? Honestly, not only did she come and see me the day after she arrived back from Thailand, but she also brought food and then cooked this delicious food. Uh, we had lamb shawarma and lots of nice pickles and some nice dip things to go with pita bread. And it was all absolutely gorgeous. Really, really lovely. But the other thing that was really, really lovely is that she said yes at all to speaking to me because I've been following Sabrina for a while on Instagram because I love her cooking. I already had a couple of her cookbooks. I really like her cooking and whenever I've done her recipes, they turn out really well. And I I noticed that she was posting about um, her new well, then boyfriend, but then also talking about his kids. And then when they got married, she put a really gorgeous post up about how much she loves being their stepmom and how she couldn't love them more if they were her own. And I thought, that is so lovely to hear. And I know we've spoken to other guests that have stepchildren, but I haven't spoken to anyone that is exclusively a stepparent. And I thought it's really important to represent that. Um, I have 
two step parents and I met my stepdad when I was seven. I think I was about the same age when I met my stepmom and they definitely helped to raise me. And as you know, I've said this before, but there are many ways to have a family. There are many ways to raise a child and step parenting is 100% part of parenting too. And obviously there are a few little factors that are quite significant with step parenting. It's not as straightforward as some of the other roles. It's, uh, you know, it depends on how old the kid is when you when you meet them. It depends on how custody is split, you know, how much time you're spending together. Um, but it's really significant. And I think even when you're a grown-up, if you find you have a new step-parent, it's significant. You know, who you have in your family defines you, doesn't it? It's a big deal. And it's just so lovely to hear about Sabrina being so enthusiastic and... You know, she she was in her 40s when she met her husband and just seemed to completely get that being in love with him meant, you know, taking it all on and also loving his kids. And I think that's really special. So I think you're going to love the conversation we had. And in the meantime, what else has been going on around here? Well, I've just been packing and I'm actually going away this evening. I'm flying to Australia tonight. And of course, it's not really tonight, it's all of tonight, all of tomorrow. I don't actually land in Sydney till Saturday, which is also the day I have my first gig. I'm going over to Australia to do a little run of festivals, which should be really, really fun. It's called Summer Camp, and it's a LGBTQ plus festival. I picture it in my head as like a sort of travelling pride, basically. So we're going to Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne. And happily for me, Richard's coming with me which is really lovely. I'm actually doing the singing on my own. I'm not taking my band. Um, so I've got my sound guy, Duncan, but Rich is coming along to keep me company, basically. So that's going to be a bit of fun. Because I've got a few... Like, I think it's like 50-50 in terms of like work and downtime, which is quite unusual. Normally, they'd be a bit more on the work side, so it's quite nice. I get to have a little explore. And it's always a treat going, going to travel, I think. And this is my first bit of long haul since pre-you-know-what. So that's all significant. And I'm going to be a little bit boastful here. I have packed hand luggage only. I'm always stupidly pleased with myself, even though I'll probably get there and realise I've brought, like, nothing I needed and I've left everything at home that would have been great to have. But theoretically, it's going to be good. It's because I've got a few internal flights and I just get a bit paranoid about being separated from my stuff. I like having my things with me, please. But that being said, I have had to pack pretty teeny tiny, so let's see. Let's see how I did. Um, and we've also got a birthday in the house today, uh, which is the 3rd of November, is my fourth baby's seventh birthday, Jesse Jones. And, oh, he was in such a good mood this morning. It's really cute. I've got a whole little thing I always do, putting some balloons up and a big number of whatever number they are, balloon. And and then on the table in the playroom, we put all their presents. And he got some cool stuff and he was very excited. And he's gone to school with one of those big happy birthday badges so yeah he's very chipper being seven is going to suit him I can tell um anyway in the meantime I'm very much looking forward to sharing this with you and maybe you can just picture that while Sabrina and I were chatting I was having a lovely time chatting to her it made even more lovely by the fact that I knew I was going to eat well afterwards <laughs> hey don't blame me I like my food all right I will leave you in the uh, capable hands of Sabrina and I will see you on the other side Well, firstly, I think this is maybe maybe my 80th uh, 
podcast uh, chat, but you've already won the informal game of the podcast, which was you're the first person to come, not only to my house, but you've brought food. Am I? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Am so well I? done. Congratulations. Oh, you've won you spinning much. plates. <laughs> Bribe them with food. It's the way forward. <laughs> it so is. It so is. Um, so we can chat for like two or three minutes and then we can eat, basically. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. It's the Persian uh, way. It's the owner. I'm not, I'm not. I've never been raised to come to anyone's hands empty-handed. Really? And for my whole life of cooking, and from my teens, I always arrived at my friends' houses with food for the whatever. Oh I'd be God. like, don't worry. I don't know. I think it's because that's how I can like love people a bit. And mm-hmm. like, don't worry, you know, you're a mum, you're busy, I'll do it. That's always been, and I like doing it. But then sometimes when I'm carrying the shopping, I'm like, not today, but I was like, why did I agree to this? Because, you know, I'll even work to see what they want to eat or what they're craving. But yeah, wow. it's, uh, it, it, it's nice though, I think. So what you said when you, even when you were a teenager... Yeah, I mean, I would be like, you know, let's have a, let's watch Greece this weekend and let's all pile in and I'll make mac and cheese or whatever it would oh be, God. you know. We'd, That's my we'd weekend agree. sorted as well then. I, <laughs> I, was, I was actually talking about Greece this morning. Were you? Yeah. Oh, I can't, nobody can watch that film with me because I know every me too. single Words. I used to watch it with the sound down and do the dialogue. I know. <laughs> I'm not even my, joking. My mother would be like, "Will you turn that stuff off? Stop talking! I can't. I, I'm gonna literally turn it off if you don't stop saying the words." But it's like mentally ingrained into you. I don't think you know you're doing it. And then when the songs start, like it's just worse, isn't it? Because the you music. can't stop. Just love it. Although I have to say, because I was walking to school with my six-year-old Jesse, and I said I sang a bit of Grease, and then he said, "What's that?" And he said, "What's it about?" I said, "We have to watch it." And I'm prepping it better this time because when I tried to watch it with my now 13-year-old Kit, he was probably about eight, and he was very disappointed because he thought it was going to be about ancient Greece. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, kid, this is no, like no. super, super cool. Like stuff you put in your hair, dude. <laughs> um, so with Kit, Jesse, I was explaining, and then I was like, so there's Sandy and Danny pretends. And as I spoke, the plot is really bizarre it's quite twisted and then sandy just has a whole makeover just to fit in with danny i know and then what? you listen to some of the lyrics of some of the songs and you're like oh that that's that's a little bit uh i don't think oh, yeah. you can say some of those things anymore like ew that's kind of creepy it's swearing like, and, i don't want to yeah. be left alone with that guy he's not that cool actually like, it's true it's very true <laughs> um, it's different sorry i went completely down a little like grease Road there, but I, know, I can't. It can't great. be mentioned, and me not grip hold of that. Um, but what, what are you up to at the moment? When we start here and now, what's happening in your life? Oh, you only just got back from Thailand yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's. I knew that I was going to be away uh, for a few weeks, so I had to kind of make the rest element count mm-hmm. um, because I just literally hit the ground running from today. Okay. Um, so just got so much on trying to resume like book tour. I had a book that came out in August, but well known that August is not the time to do touring. So uh, for books anyway, because everybody's on holiday. So um, it happened a bit in September, then I went away and then I kind of resumed between now and December. So it's like supper clubs and meetings and, you know, pop-ups and cookery classes and 
you name it. It's just all happening because you got a book, you got to do the legwork. So. so this book, did you spot it on the bookshelf? Where my I did, was? actually. <laughs> I was like, going to play that one cool. <laughs> <laughs> I said to Richard this morning, she's going to think I've placed these all here. There's like, like three cool. of your books on that shelf. Play cool, play cool, don't look too long at the shelf. <laughs> so your current book is the everyday one, is that yes. right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's, I say Persiana, but yeah, is that right? Yeah, 100%. The only p- person that pronounces it wrong is my own publisher. <laughs> <laughs> she's American she's this sweetie I'm just gonna call it Persiana and I was like it isn't Persiana it's like so I've kind of given up but everybody else seems to do it right <laughs> and with the supper clubs is that you literally recreating what you used to do with having people around and cooking for them again um so I I've always been cooking in the house since I was a kid because none of my family cook like not at all my mother like if you ask her to switch the oven on you just literally have to watch her go into like the a state of genuine blind panic and anxiety because she doesn't know how to do it and it will take like it could take 10 minutes and then she would probably have like tears in her eyes and start wobbling like you know it's, it's just not her domain and it i really realize yeah i think it's because she was kicked out of the kitchen when she was a kid and a lot of people especially in cultures where <clears throat> Either the family are strong cooks, they go, no, 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 out, 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 you know, and they don't let the children be in the kitchen. More so perhaps in, you know, previous decades, I would say. Now you're like hopeful that the kids are going to stay in there, learn and take over from you. But um, but in our case, we had a house cook, I think, from when my mum, because my mum's mum and dad were working. Mm-hmm. So quite common in some Eastern countries. Doesn't necessarily mean you're rich, but, you know, you have so somebody. This is when you were born? Is it? Pro- like- when my mother was a kid. Oh, okay. um, so she was ousted out of the kitchen. Oh, I see. Um, and she was little. Yeah, so when I was a kid here in the early 80s, I grew up watching like Ken Hom and Meta Jeffrey and was like obsessed with this cookery stuff and I yeah. loved Chinese food. And I connected with Meta Jeffrey because even though I wasn't, maybe I didn't know too much about Indian food, all the little plates and the breads and the curries kind of look like our stews. And so Ken... Uh, Hom and Madda Jeffrey had a lot to do with my love of food. Mm. Um, And so I was probably took over in the house by 10 or 11 as the cook. Wow. Because nobody else was into it at all. And my mother was like, you know, go, play. She could see you had a passion and interest. 100%. You know, um, the wok revolution was a big thing in England in the early 80s. We're pretty much the same age, so all your reference points are the same as mine. Okay, good, I'm glad, because you have to sometimes, there's that vague expression of like, huh? Sometimes and people are like, oh, she's a lot younger than me. And, you know, Uncle Ben's was like, it was the first ready jarred sauces and things like that, so... Everybody, I think they said eight out of ten people owned a walk in England because of Ken Hom back really? in the 80s. And so um, I, <laughs> I was just... as well, if you're a famous chef in those days, you had such a direct line to like huge millions. Huge audience. Yeah. It's yeah. not huge the same. Huge concentrated no. yeah. audience because we only had three, cha- three exactly. four channels. I think three for yeah, the majority, so, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So um, that really helped me because I w- stir-frying is like the easiest way to start cooking because you're just yeah. chopping things up. You yeah. pick a protein if you eat me, and then you pick veg. And, you know, I probably came up with some horrendous things. But I also learned how to make things like wonton soup because of Ken Hom. Um, because I used to pass this um, Chinese supermarket on the way to school, which is crazy because it's not very common where I live anyway. Mm. And pass ginger and garlic and, you know, things that weren't really in supermarkets. That like ginger was definitely a hard 
fine thing in the 80s. Yeah. Garlic probably was in there, but... <clears throat> so I just experimented and, uh, yeah, having people over, started cooking Christmas suppers. I think that's probably, like, the traditional. Yeah. Because my grandma's idea of catering for Christmas just doesn't bear thinking about. I think so she, she didn't cook much as well, your grandma? No, she didn't. Thank God she didn't. Because <laughs> she did, she did actually, to be fair, I think my memory has sort of pushed things out a bit because she didn't like cooking and she was, mm. she was a very glamorous lady. You would have definitely approved of her wardrobe. <laughs> um, very, very sort of stylish and, you know, young in the 50s with all those amazing dresses and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, she didn't. Then when she came... When we came to England in 1979, she had to because yeah. her husband had just died. You know, we were refugees, moved into the flat that my mother had here and you're forced to feed, to cook. So, but she didn't have to cook every night because we were always out as well mm. at other families' houses and her sister was kind of the knockout cook of the ha family. Oh, wow. So I had one person in a family of hundreds of people that is a really good cook. Um, I guess so, you only need one if you're looking for someone to. Like, oh my god! Talk I mean, I'm still writing recipes now, and then as I'm writing the intros, I'm like, "This is a recipe. Oh, this is a recipe of my grandma's sister." And oh, I wish I'd asked her more, and I wish I came into this career earlier. But I certainly spent a lot of time at her, you know, kitchen table. Pretty much just maybe eye height at the same side, same yeah. height as the counter. I used to steal a lot of meatballs. <laughs> she used to make like tiny little meatballs. Like, And, you know, Eastern types were really good. Like they'll spend the whole day in the kitchen cooking and yeah. then freezing it and then, or, you know, batching it for whatever. So she used to make these tiny little meatballs like the size of your thumbnail. Mm. And I would probably eat... They sound very pinchable, actually. Very pinchable. And she'd <laughs> yeah, just them, fry them off. So I'd eat a few whilst they were being fried off so she couldn't tell. And then she'd put some on the platter and I'd eat some of those <laughs> just to cool down. And then she'd put the rest in the fridge and then I'd feel for... I'd probably eat more than half of them and then she'd, she'd cotton on and absolutely scream blue bloody murder in the house. <laughs> but yeah, just all these memories. Um, and she was married to an Iraqi, so I had like the good the great benefit of like an added yeah. cuisine, uh, you know, in my upbringing, which was, I mean, their food is unbelievable. It's so good. So it's like double bubble, really, really great. Um, and also for me, hosting is something I was taught because when I was five, from the time I was five, my grandma, grandma would invite all her glamorous ladies mm. for what I now know to be like full on gossip girly sessions. But you I know, bet. when you're a kid, you just don't know, right? Yeah. And they'd be like, okay, thank you, which would signal, right, you know, off you off go again. now. And they would probably, God knows, probably worse than us, I would say, though, that lot. Um, but, you know, she would be like, get the tray ready, you know, put the teacups on there, get the tea ready, because when your aunts come in, I want you to, you know, she'd encourage me and we would serve. Mm. Uh, so I learned from an early age that if your auntie runs out of tea, you ask her if she'd like another one, then you pass the biscuits round, then you pass the fruit round, then you pass the nuts round. That's very Persian. Yeah. We just... We don't have you in a house. We just constantly feed you, even if it's not a meal time. This even is if great. you said no. Yeah, yeah. Like, just constantly. I'm down with all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's interesting when I when I heard that your mum and your grandma weren't really that interested in cooking, it, it threw me a tiny bit, only because well, not least because obviously it's become so much like massive part of your life, but also because I was thinking, if you were a refugee, so you travel from around in 1979, you're only two, 
you're normally the way you'd learn about your cult, like my picture, the way you learn about where you came from would be through the medium of food primarily. <laughs> and actually you're out having all sorts of other stuff. Uh, yeah. So you're, I suppose when you're that tiny, the notion of being a refugee, you only really would see that reflected in, I guess, your mum and your grandma. Yeah. Would you about even... I mean, that you're just should submer- be. Yeah, you're just submerged in, in culture, aren't you? Yeah. You're just getting on with the business of being you and you're that small. You're not... But I mean, presumably you've got no memories of I, I of leaving. Don't have any memories, yeah. and I'm quite grateful actually because those are not you know leaving your homeland. Yeah. Even though you know we were very lucky that we were on a legitimate flight out of there, mm. rather than you know the horrible travesties that some people have to deal with when they're fleeing their country. But mm. um, you know, we were on one of the last legitimate flights out of Iran, so I don't remember anything. What I do remember is. <clears throat> being small here in England and having my mother as this great sort of catalyst for me to explore food Mm. and love food because she loved different treats. And I'm not talking about Middle East and stuff because that didn't really enter my memory from a young child. You know, it was teaching me how to eat chopstick with chopsticks, um, taking me to like Benihana, you know, which yeah. which now it's like, yeah, Benihana, whatever. No, no, that was really exotic. Oh then. my God, so exotic. Yeah. Onion volcano with smoke coming out of it. Yeah, yeah. And then they're just chopping stuff and throwing stuff around in front of you. You know, that's pretty... That's pretty unusual in the 80s for kids. It's pretty unusual now. Um, And, you know, croissants, which were not a thing here. Yeah. She was just like, I'm going to take you for this cool bread thing from France and it's got ham and cheese in it. And I was like, what? Oh, this is great. Like, you know, so she got my appetite literally up for, you know, having a sort of thirst for knowledge and a hunger for the food as well. You know, just to explore things and eat different things. Took me for Thai food and took me for all different kinds of things that perhaps if she was just a cook that didn't want to cook at home and didn't like yeah. cooking, we'd probably be eating really safe, boring things because she didn't. She wasn't into it. Yeah. So maybe I'm lucky that, yeah, she couldn't cook, but she definitely pushed the boat out when it came to introducing me to new things, whether I like them or not. I think know? that's brilliant. I mean, there's not many yeah. better ways to raise a kid than keeping them with their eyes open like that and like, yeah. let's try this, let's do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, those are all the memories you've got now, haven't you, from yeah. when you were small? That's really much. And you're still super close to your mum yeah, now. Yeah, I still am. She'll, so she'll still fully drive 200 miles for like a good pie or something like that. Like 100% <laughs> we are. Like, should we drive to, I don't know, let's drive to Ilkley in, you know, in Yorkshire, like another part of Yorkshire from where we, where we live. And let's go and get that sausage meat from the butchers. Like, you know, because we are still she's quite adventurous she's yeah. quite young at heart and you know she would think nothing of driving somewhere to have a good rice dish or a, or a great pie or like a Kurdish you know mince meat roll or whatever you know like we're kooky I like love that it. <laughs> so why is it that your book centers so much on the Middle Eastern flavors if you're trying so many things what was it that resonated I think when I first came to uh, the attention of other people uh, as a cook I it was I was 35 it was 2011 uh my very first supper club was a joke like I literally was a joke I made on Twitter and it went viral and it was in the newspapers the next day and I was like oh my god this wow. is and it wasn't a Persian supper club or a Middle Eastern supper club it was <clears throat> So what was the supper club? Just for people who don't know, that's you had you literally had people come around, didn't you? Total strangers coming around <laughs> to your house is what the original supper clubs were. Mm. Total strangers coming around to your house um, for a set 
overpriced menu where you couldn't provide alcohol because obviously you need a liquor license. Mm-hmm. So they'd bring bring a bottle and then, you know, hopefully if they didn't rob you blind at the end of it, which they never did with me, but I had heard some pretty ropey stories. But, um, you know, you kind of, yeah, that's how you can make a name or introduce a new food or whatnot. Yeah. I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd lost my job working in, the, working in marketing in the city. It was the end of the credit crunch and, you know, I took a hit. Um, and so I did a supper club based on an American chef that was coming to Harrods to do a pop-up Thomas Keller okay. of French Laundry and Per Se. And I'm a huge fan. So I was waiting the whole year to go for that announcement. And then just as they announced it, 250 quid, boom, I lost my job. And I was like, oh, no. Uh, as much as I could go into even more debt to go to this, that's not really sensible. And I just joked on Twitter, like, oh, you know... French laundry pop-up. It looks like it's a no-go for me. It's 250 quid a head. God, I should probably just do French laundrette and charge £2.50. Ha ha. Boom. And then people are like, I'd go to that. I'd go to that. I'd go to that. I'd go to that. And let me know when you do that. I'd love to work there. And I'll provide you with cattle for meat. I'll provide wow. you with cheeses. And it just went. And so we did it for charity because that was a the right thing to do in my mind but it was nuts I was like plugging in my phone into the wall and it would like ringing all <laughs> hours of the day for like four weeks wow so um yeah it was it was great did it wonderful people involved to help you know make it happen and then um somebody said to me that was great I'm so happy we got to attend that but like when are you, you fancy doing a supper club with Persian food and I was like what they're like, yeah, you know, I've seen you cook a few things on like Insta, like not Insta, Twitter back then. Um, and I was like, uh, really? You want Persian food? I was a bit nervous because if you've ever watched Big Fat Greek Wedding, you might understand this. <laughs> if you ever go to school with food of your own culture, certain time in, in in a certain time, probably in the 80s and 90s, you would have most definitely be subjected to the what's in your lunchbox, moussaka. Oh, moussaka? Like that's my entire teenage years at secondary school. Anytime that my grandmother was like, this is what you're taking to school. I'm like, no, not that. <laughs> Whereas now kids are like, oh my God, yeah, I've got sushi. I've got like Syrian this and, you know, Mongolian that and it's fine. It's totally cool. But back then, it was deeply uncool. And you'd get bullied and, you know, teased and whatnot. So I was afraid that people wouldn't like Persian food. Um, But I was very wrong. Really, like, way totally off the mark, Mm. thankfully. And and so I started doing them as, as a job, as an income. Yeah. To, to make money. I had massive debts and, you know, suddenly lost my job and... I had no, I was 35 and I'm like, oh my God, I can't even buy like a lump of cheese. This is so embarrassing. I've never had that in my life because I've always worked since I was 10, you know, delivering papers, working in this shop, flower girl, you know, all of these, I've done everything. And so, uh, yeah, it took off, but it was a hard sell at the beginning and nobody wanted to come to (laughs) my house to eat food because they're like is it not in Hackney you know is it not in South London Mm, it's a bit far West London because West London has this sort of (laughs) stigma where it's just too far for most people because but it's not look how easy we find it I think it's a little (laughs) bit I think it's a little bit better now but when I was like Kensington they're like Kennington and I'm like (laughs) Kensington they're like "Mm, let us know when you come to Kennington and I'm like but I'm never going to come to Kennington because I don't live there Um, but then after thankfully after some you know hard work and Mm. spreading that 
greatest form of PR known to man, word of mouth. Um, you know, I had a lot of business and a lot of people will be coming and then I had to keep telling people no and that was the new thing that was freaking me out. So well, How brilliant that people were so hungry for it in every sense. How yeah. flipping brilliant because I think 35 is one of those ages where if you find yourself like everything's gone pear-shaped, it's, it's, I mean, it's devastating at any age, but at that age you're thinking, I really should have this Should have my stuff sorted. together, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's bad, bad timings, but it's not, it's not too late to sort of get a whole new career how exciting is that yeah I mean I always worked in hospitality so yeah. this is something that people don't factor in I worked in hotels and restaurants and catering companies I've done every job in a hotel yeah so like if I ever have anyone be snooty about it I'm like yeah I did that I did that mm-hmm. I've cleaned rooms I've done reception I've worked in reservations I've worked in sales marketing yeah. all of it so I've worked in Pret, I've worked in McDonald's, I've worked in a Chinese supermarket, like the list is long. Yeah. Which if I could get away with sending my stepkids to do things like that now, like I constantly, I guess I joke because they're not my children fully, I can't really say that, but constantly like, when are you getting a job? Like, I want some rent contribution, wink, (laughs) wink. You know, they're like, what? (laughs) Just like horrified. And I was like, I had, I had jobs at your age and they're like what oh no that's not that's not even legal I'm like yes it is or it used to be maybe so well you mentioned your stepkids there because I was thinking you know with all the things that have the roads that have led us today because obviously this is a podcast where I speak to working women who happen to be mothers Mm -hmm. and I was really excited to speak to you because I feel we haven't really represented the step parent community yeah and step parenting is a huge I have step parents uh, stepmom, um, my stepdad, I was very close to you. Sadly, he, he died a couple of years ago. But so I, I, I know what it's like to be a stepchild in that. And it's, Give me hope, Sophie. Give me hope. Well, it's funny. You <laughs> oh there's tons of hope. Tons of hope. But also, I was thinking, well, firstly, does it? how does it feel that that's now where you're at, that you're a step-parent? Oh, my God. If you... Honestly, if you spoke to me pre-COVID, I was in this wonderful place where, you know, I, I I will just tell you here, I had always wanted children and to get married. That was always like a, probably a crazy, stupid teen fantasy that then becomes a little bit more real in your 20s. And then you think, okay, well, it's 30 and it hasn't happened. And, you know, that kind of thing. And then you just chill out about it. I, well, I personally had chilled out about it. And I got to the place where I was 40 and I thought, hasn't happened. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Like, I love my freedom. I talk to my friends who have kids and partners, and it's not perfect. My freedom is perfect, you know? And yeah, okay, maybe I'm not thinking about, will I have anyone when I'm older and things like that, both from the partner and the child perspective. But whatever it is, I can get on board and embrace it. So I was like, 40s for me was about, I loved where I was at. It wasn't what I had chosen or what I thought was written for me but hey you know I I could embrace the good parts of it but then if you told me I would have had two stepkids from a divorced man because I always felt like I'd rather die than marry somebody who was divorced in fact I don't even want to get married and oh no no kids you know that's where I was so I'd probably think you were crazy um but they always say it's like um life is what happens when you're busy making other plans and uh, yeah, it happened. Boy, did it happen. And it happened just pretty much. It, you know, peaked at the beginning of COVID. So it happened at a time where other things, other horrible things were happening to everyone, you know, all around the world. 
Um, but I'm glad it did because I love my husband and he is just the nicest, most decent human being I think I've ever met in my life. I don't know what I did to deserve him and his patience. And his kids are little monkeys, but I love them. I don't think I could love them any more if they were my own. The only um, <clears throat> difference is that I'm still new and treading because I've only been married for a year, is that it is like being a minesweeper. It's a minefield yeah. having stepkids. It's a minefield having kids. I think, from what I, um, you know, deal with other... I spoke... I've been speaking a lot to people that have their own children, not necessarily stepchildren. But a lot of people... Actually, social media really has been good for this because a lot of people write to me when I just randomly do a post with the kids and, and, you know, they're like, oh, God, I think you're doing an amazing job. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, yeah, I can see it. You know, you seem really loving and whatever. I think that kind of reassurance is great because... I don't really know what I'm doing because there isn't a handbook for step parenting. You just know to tread carefully. Yeah. The most important thing at the top of that tree for me is to make sure they don't feel that you're trying to not replace their mother, you're trying to take their father away from them. That has that's the top of the tree for me. Mm. I definitely am not trying to replace a mother figure for them, so I'm not worried about that. It's not. Mm. It's very low on the list of things because it's you know I think they know that it's not an issue. But there ha- has occasionally been little whispers where I can see that oh I think he's starting to feel a bit like maybe I've been with his. I can just see it, a little bit of insecurity momentarily. And I go, sure, kids, sit with your dad. It's all right. I'll move over. No worries. Like, I always make it like it's no big deal. If you're jostling with that in your head, kid, don't worry. I'm not here to be clingy with your dad. It's your weekend with him. It's all good. Like, I, I kind of know my place. God, that's so lovely and sensitive <clears throat> of you, though. I do think that's a really, a very empathetic. I think it's really important because it is but that's a very subtle read you're doing there because yeah. what the, those little signals they probably don't even know that's what they're feeling half the yeah. time because kids don't really I, think, I think like they, that they kind of I can just see them and it could be just me sitting on the sofa with their dad and them just wanting to be because they love their, like worship their dad they want to be the ones on either side of their dad so yeah. I just move I just shift it's not all the time no but that's you very know. thoughtful now a word from our sponsor, which this week is the brilliant all-new Dacia Jogger, which is an award-winning seven-seater car with plenty of space for family and friends. And I'm joined in this special segment by Kit, who's my 13-year-old, and Jessie, who is my six-year-old. Now, guys, do you think having a big car is pretty essential for our family? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It is, isn't it? What do we feel like when we're travelling around and, Um, and we're all together and we need a bit more room? Um... Can, can be a bit cramped, can't it? But... feel a little bit happy. You feel happy if you had more space? Yeah. What are you yeah. doing? We're talking about cars, Mickey. Do you think we need a bigger car? More space? A small car. A small car? No. <laughs> no, not having a small car. No, I want a small car for no. Just for, Yeah, well, there you go. Mickey, Mom, Mickey wants Jesse, a car. Jesse, you have a big car and I have a small car. That's a good idea. Now, what do we like to do with our car? Where do we... What's the sort of place? Well, drive, yes, but Mickey's three. <laughs> I only ever use the horn. <laughs> we 
like to go together to a lot of different places. We do. We take the. Yeah. We drive to festivals. And and we sometimes crash. Mickey, we never Mickey, crash. If we would crash, then we wouldn't be here. Mum, I don't know. If we would crash, then we wouldn't be here. And what about when we take it camping? We like to go camping yeah. sometimes. What yeah. about we go on a new car? Yeah, well, a new... Well, I don't really want Mama, Mummy, I want a small yellow car. You want a small yellow car? No, Shall I... What about a big Dacia jogger? No, I want a small yellow <laughs> car. I want a small yellow car. Okay, Mickey's going to have his own car. That's how much he wants his own space. He actually wants his own car. Because Mickey obviously entered the family when they were, most of the seats were already taken. That's what happens. And sometimes in the car, do we sometimes have to sit people so they're not sat next to each other? Yeah. Yes, yeah. like, who do we have to sit apart? Kit and Ray. Yeah, we have to sit Kit and Ray apart. <laughs> Mummy, look, these are This is Godzilla. Mummy, Mama, yeah. Mama, Mama! Yes, I'm listening. This is Godzilla and this is Godzilla. What kind of car would Godzilla drive? Um, Godzilla can drive because he's too big. He can drive a big, big car. And he could take it on adventures. Or I like it when we go camping with our car, and I like it when we drive to festivals. I always love going to a festival with you guys. We've had so many fun outings, haven't we? I think the Dacia could cope with taking us to festivals and could cope with taking us to our camping. Well, thank you, Kit. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Mickey. And if you want to find out more about the Dacia, you can head to Dacia, which is D-A-C-I-A, .co.uk, where you can find out all about this brilliant car, the Dacia Jogger, and how it is built for adventure. I think it could definitely cope with our family adventures. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But also, I, it's so interesting because you literally used a word that I was thinking of this morning when you were saying about, you know, all the, all the minds. I was thinking it is a minefield because... I was like, you know, obviously, there's lots and lots of ways to form a family. You definitely do not have to have biological parents to no, form a family. Like this, we know this. Um, so I was like, so what is it about step parent parenting that makes it complex? And I was thinking, well, it's because you walk into a situation. There's a situation that's gone on before mm -hmm. you, so you've got to kind of read that. And obviously, it's complicated because there's loads of variables. You know, how custody is split, how old the kids are. Uh, the nature of the reason why the parent is not with any, you know, all of these things, all of these factors. But ultimately, you have to come into it and you fall for the person you fall for. And if they've got children, I guess that just becomes part of the package, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and it's no joke no. what you undertake. Because exactly. you have to put, like, you have to put your shit aside. Like, you really need to park whatever issues. Mm. You have to divide all your everything so whatever you want to do you have to look at it with a completely different angle 50% of the times because that's how often we have them mm. <clears throat> and it's you know when I met my husband I did my damnedest to put him off <laughs> it's the only way yeah it's the only way I can explain it I, I don't know I do this thing when I'm I, I my friends point this out you do this thing where you know you attract them all in good faith and then you know They they come towards you and then you do everything in your power to push them away with like not crazy behavior. Don't get me wrong. No, not, but like, just all gets and, a bit serious. And not cheating or any of nothing no. like that. But trying to give them like shocking factors about me, things that would make them think. I guess it's a test. It's an insecurity yeah. thing to kind of. <clears throat> well, this is me, and you know I don't. Do you want still this love and, me when I do this? Do you still love me when I do that? I bet that? you won't. So if you're going to leave, leave now. Exactly. You know, those are kind of. Not so subtle subtleties, shall yeah. we say? That a wall goes up a few weeks after, once a few weeks after the settle in, you know, mm -hmm. that wall goes up to just test because yeah. you just think, oh God, this is, I've had this, this has gone wrong before, I don't want to get hurt. Absolutely. You know, all of that kind of stuff. So I, I just was like, I don't know how this is going to work. And he was like, why? And I was like, because you got kids and I don't like noise. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I'm a, abundantly aware that I'm sounding like the most selfish human being that ever existed. But I'm 40-something and I know myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's selfish at all as well because you you are aware that it's a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal. And, you know, if people have different kinds of kids and different kinds of households. Of course. Like if I walk into my cousin's house, she has four sons that honestly I love like they are my own. And they are wonderful, inquisitive, interesting, intelligent boys. But that house volume is like, because my cousin is loud. And, you know, that's just, yeah. but it's okay for them. Like, 
Honestly, I can't hear myself think when I'm in that house sometimes. And yeah, I'm just, I know but I can say, way. because they're my blood, I can go, oh my God, all of you, shut up, I can't hear your mother. You know, and it's yeah. not a problem. You know, they're like, oh, auntie, you know, they, mm. we just love each other. But <clears throat> how, what is the discipline like with somebody you love and their, the relationship they have with their children? You know, a lot of things have changed because... Stephen won't mind me saying that, you know, he he loved me in a way that he wanted to make room for me. And he always said to me, I know a lot of people say that my, nothing is as important as my kids and my kids are everything and they will always be the most important thing in my life and nothing else matters. He goes, I don't operate that. that. Of course, my children are the, you know, my children, I love them. And yes, of course, they're my number one. But, you know, I see the place for you being almost joint that. So I will take a lot of what you say into consideration and... I just said, I'm so scared because I don't know. I don't want to ask for the things that I want in case you find them unreasonable and then we argue and then it's all over. So he's made loads of changes. And actually, I'm really tough. I'm a tough stepmom, super loving, super giving. Hope I never have to raise my voice. But I lay all the foundations down that I had growing up because I'm quite happy with how my parents, yeah. my mum and my grandma raised me. And I'm so I'm tough. And I'm like, you know, for example, when your grandparents ring the doorbell, you know, get up off your ass. No, no, I'm playing a game. I don't care. Move. Go and say hello to your grandparents. Say goodbye to your grandparents. Your grandparents have just FaceTimed. Say hello and then go and do what you want to do. That's how I was raised. There's just some levels of common courtesy clearing your plate. And they hated that at the beginning. They were like, what? And I'm like, and I quickly nipped in there with the sort of Kevin and Perry, I'm not your slave. You know, I threw that on them before they threw it on me. And they were like, oh. <laughs> so I think I was maybe because I'm older and they're not mine. So I'm not run ragged and knackered like most parents are quite <laughs> rightly so. I was a little bit more probably better prepared mm. um, in some senses that I could go I know any minute now one of these days these boys are gonna go you're not my mother or you know I'm bored I'm not your slave and I thought so let me just do it first yeah. <laughs> like, you know uh, I will just get it out the way so they can't say it because I'm just like oh, are you just copying me now you know so you got to be clever with them but I do always no matter what I say I go the only reason I'm saying this is because it's a bit hard for me boys I do the cooking the cleaning your dad does the laundry and this. And sometimes on top of work, it's difficult. So I want to explain why I'm asking them to do this. Yeah. Not that I'm just enslaving them in some kind of strange child labor, but just <laughs> understand, kid, there's a reason that parents ask children to do these things. Even though they don't care, yeah. it, it, it will set it in there and make it kind of softens the blow for them a little bit. Wow, so like, I'm actually just sitting here feeling very impressed by you, actually. Don't, don't. No, I don't am. Feel I'm impressed. really impressed. Well, there's a few things that are impressing me. First of all, I think I think it sounds like you and your other half walked into this as real grown-ups, very conscious of setting setting up something that could actually is a proper family environment. Yeah. And I think that's a gorgeous thing for the kids because what you're talking about there is not the strictness that like I don't even think that's strict what you've done there is just provide a tone for the house mm. because it's the household that they live in too yeah and every house has a tone yeah even if the tone is equally you could say it's really would be really tough if you didn't take any role because then you're not really engaging the fact that you yeah. say say hello and goodbye to your grandparents is is something that you care about and you want for them 
to be part of that as well. 100%. I think I think that's I honestly think that's way less tough than the bit where you that you don't take it on because you don't see them yeah. as children you're partly raising, which yeah. you are because you know I'm I'm raised by all of my parents. It sounds like yeah. a weird sentence, but my step parents raised me too, hundred percent. Yeah. So it's those all those things they all factor in. So I think that's brilliant. But also I'm thinking, geez, I do too much for my. I really should talk to my kids about about what you said about the sort of mental load of all the other stuff that goes on. Because I think children don't always understand there's a whole no. world out there, and sometimes you're doing it because, hey, it's your childhood. And But other times I'm like, actually, it's good for them to understand that everybody's yeah. putting their weight and doing stuff. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. It's not, it's, how did you have so much <laughs> you knew you wanted to do when you, by the 40, you were I thinking you weren't going to do it at all? I don't know. You know, the one thing, uh, when I was younger, every partner I ever had and people that were just related to me were always like, you're going to be a really good mum someday. And I was always like, yes, I want to have a football team of boys. I always was like, <laughs> I grew up, you know, and a lot of girls want girls. I was like, well, God, ugh. no, I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> Only because I was suspicious that they'd probably turn into me and that's probably not something <laughs> I would, it would just be hard work to monitor because I'd be like, I know you're, you've been smoking or like whatever nightmare that I drove my mum mad for. And she was chilled. Not that she's chilled when the bad stuff would happen, but she just knew that poking an angry bear isn't a solution and you mm. just got to kind of, this is, you know, the rite of passage and you've got to accept it and say, I'm here if you need me and, mm. you know, make sure you call me type thing and just be good. I'm not like that. But I, I kind of knew, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe years of watching Super Nanny as well, <laughs> things oh, like yeah. that, and kind of talking. I've learned a lot about body language with children mm -hmm. and... I know, for example, with my eldest one, he doesn't like to be embarrassed. He doesn't like to be shouted at in front of other people. Yeah. And I've I've literally in two and uh, two and a half years probably shouted three times. Wow. But like when I do That's really serious then, isn't it? That's a big frightening. Deal. Yeah. But the only times I actually have, one was disrespecting me and the other two was disrespecting their dad. They right. wouldn't dare disrespect me and the other one was because he was flustered and I was just like calm down kid he's like no 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 and I was like and he was shouting in my face yeah and you know well, I, every family has flare-ups anyway I mean that's I mean that's 100% but this is where this is where you revert to just being a person and not a stepmom anymore because you're not used to it having someone shout in my face yeah for long enough then you forget you're a step-parent. You're just this person with somebody screaming at you and then in order to silence the situation, you start screaming at them. Absolutely, but it happens as, like, as, you know, my kid's parent, you get that thing as well where you're like, hang on a minute, I, this is, I don't feel like I'm, I'm this is just unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't want, I don't like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I might be good at it, but, like, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. actually like confrontation, but yeah. I'm good at it if I need to be. <laughs> but it's not what I would choose, so it's like, it's a lesson learning every day um, and trying not to, and trying to treat them as two individuals because mm. they pretty much hate each other right now, um, yeah. which is totally, I'm guessing from my conversations with other people now and their children that it's common. Yes. But I didn't know. They absolutely hate each other. And then there was a picture that I recently posted this weekend that got loads of attention. It was both of them when they went to, you know, they're, they're from Newcastle and they support, you know, Newcastle football team, mad about football. They went to the match on the weekend with their dad. And there's a picture of Connor, the eldest one, you know, 
with his arm around Ollie and then was like, oh, they're so cute. And I was like, yeah, but that probably meant he had him in a headlock, really. About, <laughs> you know, there's never, that's not common, the affection thing. But I do tr- try and treat them as differently as possible and understand that <clears throat> Ollie doesn't like certain things, Connor doesn't like certain things. And when I ever tell them off, even if it's just a soft, you know, like, mm. please don't do that, I will make sure I pull them apart because the other one will use it against oh, him. Oh, yeah, all of that. <laughs> so I just go, no, go away. I'm having a word with Ollie. Off you go. No, I won't let one f- use that as collateral against the other to kind of tease him. So I'm careful. And, and when you said like it's quite hard, there's no handbook. So where no, do you? I should write one. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> and there's like 150 blank pages. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a doodle. Chapter one: How to handle them. Like a picture of me shrugging. shrugging. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter two, how to deal with them, me, head and hands. <laughs> Just like well, a picture also, special. <laughs> historically, stepmothers haven't come across great in culture either. No, I call myself stepmonster. Yeah, there you go. And my husband is like, don't, don't, don't do that. And now I'm like, why? And he's like, because you're not a step monster and you don't want to give them the idea that it's okay to repeat that in public. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and they go, oh, you know, my step monster. They're like, step monster, is he being abused? Or like, yeah. So I have to be careful. But, you know, we've got like evil stepmother. Just generally speaking, stepmothers, it's yeah. time for there to be a little bit more of a balance, I think, yeah. in how they're represented. Because yeah. it's often seen as this, as you say, quite predatory. Yeah. And I think you were so astute when you said about not just about you know, this concept of replacing the mum, but actually about the ste- having the dads yeah. here. I think that's really astute, you know, if it's... I think it's important to not dilute. I think children of a divorce, especially one where they're just about old enough to sort of mm. know that a divorce is happening, even if they didn't know why or what for or what not, they know it's happened. I wouldn't say the damage because I don't like that assuming that somebody is a child. I'm a child of divorce and I'm not damaged by it. You know what no, I mean? That's a thing but, that happens. Yeah. You don't know any you know, different, I, do you? I think there is a division of parental um, guidance and it's important to make sure that you're kind of showing them that it, it doesn't need to be too different and that there's... Come. Stability, stability, stability. I'm always trying to do that, always trying to get meals at the table. Like I'm really, you know, kind of a stickler for that because also I never grew up having that myself. Oh, that's so true. I want... I suppose you haven't... Yeah. The, map, the, the, the road map for that as well is different, isn't it? It, it is a little bit different and also... And a lot would have just been because our living room didn't really have space for a dining table. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that would have literally been my reason for that. So yeah. um, I... I think it's funny because sometimes, especially on weekends, we try and do this where there's a little bit more time and I don't have to create two meals at night, one to suit the boys when they come from school and one to feed the adults. Mm. Um, We try and just do it a little bit earlier than my comfortable meal time. So we do it like seven, half seven, because we eat like half eight, nine. I'm quite late with that. Mm -hmm. And so we sit down and then they they love my my mum. They think she's you know, that shit is the the funny, you know, they think she's a little wacky because she says some really funny stuff. And I actually had enjoyed enjoying them listening to her and laughing because I think she's funny. Well, how nice is that, mm. that relationship developing? It's, it's nice. And I, I tell, them, tell them really funny things like, I'll give you a fiver each if you call her Grandma Gail. And she hates it. She's like, don't! 
tell him to stop calling me grandma. And I was like, here you go. Fiber for you. Fiber for you. Like, you know, she's, we've, we've taken them llama to llama farms with my mum and like, oh, the, the shenanigans that go down, we go, you know, we've done Halloween parties and family face paintings and like stuff that, you know, I haven't had maybe, yeah. you know, I'd had with my mum, but that bigger family setting yeah. and like really kooky stuff of dressing up the house and doing crazy things at Christmas and, and we play, you know, there's this little game on the mobile, Heads Up. Oh, yeah. Have yeah. you seen it? We play a lot of Heads Up. That's the one with the, like, it's basically like, get, who am I sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got, you You stick the phone well, in, it's it like, like an animal again. or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And, you know, having my mum act out what oh, she that thinks, be brilliant. that's hilarious. I'd and like to play that with your mum. literally <laughs> love, they love that. So she kind of gets involved. So it's good for her as well, because I said to her, you know, you've become a grandma. She's like, I have not. But actually, she has a particular bond with the younger one because I think the older one is a teenager. But yeah. Every now and again, he'll give her a little window in. Um, but, you know, she's a lot like the younger one. Well, that's nice. Yeah, it's think- crazy. Because I was thinking, obviously, your husband came with his kids, but you came with your mum. I did. I mean, quite frankly, my mum could easily peel it back, but my husband adores my mother, which is quite frankly really annoying sometimes. But he's... um, He's done a lot to make her feel like she is welcome in, I mean, it's my house, but that she, he, he just always says, you know, your mum's lovely and, you know, they're not going to be around forever. So, and I'm thinking, what a nice man, you know, like just gives me more reasons to love him. The good thing about my mum is she tends to spend all her time, and yes, she does have the biggest bedroom, um, in my house, my house, um, because she has a little office in there and she's like Skyping her friends or walking around the garden, FaceTiming people around the world. And like, she's living the life of Riley. Sounds good. And she's not a homebody. Mm. So she likes to be out when we like to, it doesn't clash, shall I say. So never, never the twain shall meet, or at least not very often anyway. We are kind of all convene for dinner. Sounds good. Yeah, it's nice. And actually just crawling back to something, so how on earth did you actually meet someone during the pandemic? I should probably find out. So I met uh, Stephen through a friend, a Persian friend, and... Um, and it was quite a strange one because we ended up connecting online after that. And then he was like, I live in Durham. And I was like, oh, that's not too far. I live in Yorkshire and like London. And then, I don't know, we pretty much started dating quite quickly. But I didn't, honestly, I was just like, you know, COVID's come in, it's crap. I don't, you know, I'm feeling a bit lonely. Not more for just conversation not like you know for dirty text messages and exchanges Mm -hmm. I'm not that I'm not really into that I'm too I'm too old to find that enthralling should I say (laughs) um but we've all been there but I can't be bothered with that so (laughs) I just wanted some nice chats so we had quite a lot of um online dates should I say Mm. because for COVID right yeah so we'd uh I'd be like right get these ingredients I want to teach you how to make a proper spaghetti bolognese not what you think you've been making like you oh, know brilliant. just joking because he says I make spag bowl for the boys and I'm yeah. like oh how'd you make it babe that's not a spag bowl like <laughs> you know so we'd cook and sort of cook together and then sit down and eat it and I thought actually that's probably the best kind of contact because you're having a proper face-to-face with somebody granted that they're not in the room but we had loads of lunch dates and dinner dates like that and a couple of pissed ones I think that actually um, sounds very intimate as well isn't it yeah it was nice I don't think of a restaurant I think or... I regret the ones that involved gin online mostly because <laughs> I just just I won't remember 
remember waking up in the morning going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just dancing and singing because, you know, COVID grabs hold, right? So yeah. there's a lot of kitchen discos. <laughs> like, um, yeah, and then he just pretty much moved in. Um, it just ended up started staying with me all the time that he was not with the boys and and he was working from home and so... It's it kind of worked. incredible, isn't it? Looking back, yeah. you sort of you probably fast tracked a few things because you're having that that direct contact and yeah. communication without yeah. anything else going on, where you could just have all those big conversations because you're not really messing around in your forties, are you? No. You're like, is this is this going to work? I'm, yeah. Am I? If you're going to jump in, you jump in with all of you. It's like, yeah. I didn't want to get married. You didn't want to. No, I think I didn't trust marriage. <clears throat> how does it feel now you over I love it in. yeah yeah I love it because the one thing that I remember listening to everyone that I was ever married and I, I respected in my life were like it's no different it's like you the same with a ring on your finger and a piece of paper it's no different and it is no different um, I think Stephen made me less fearful of marriage mm. because when I met him I was I don't want to get married I don't want to get tied down I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to part of the whole mm. scare you away process yeah so he was like, okay, all right, whatever you want to do then, that's fine. He was so laid back and I kept thinking, huh? He's not, he's, he hasn't legged it yet. This is so strange. So he was very gentle and patient and he said, listen, ultimately I could see myself marrying you and I want to marry you and I, I have a divorce behind me, but it still gives me the faith that one day I'll marry and, you know, it will be the right thing forever. <clears throat> and I was like, okay, we'll see. And then one night, on one of those kitchen discos, I got supremely drunk, which didn't take much, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he proposed. And I was like, what? And uh, and then I totally forgot, got into the dancing spirit, asked, asked my mum as well if he could propose to me. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, huh? oh, my head is sore, my heart is throbbing. Oh my God, did I get in the head cage last night? And I remember, and I just, I said to him in the morning, I said, did you propose last night? And he went, yeah. And I was like, I can't remember. I just remember it happening, but I can't remember what you said and how it went down. And he was like, don't worry, I feel dead. So, and I was just smashed, crying, and then getting wow. up and just like dancing to like 90s classics in the kitchen. It was so funny. That um, is funny. That's amazing. Yeah. So you actually got engaged during like a Zoom or something? No, he was in. No, he's living with me. No, oh, he's, I you were, we, we were having. I thought you were during the pandemic. You <laughs> no, said the kitchen discos. I was like, no, we were having the kitchen discos. But he was with me because okay, okay. because it was, was like, lockdown and we couldn't go anywhere. And I just said, I need a night out. But seeing as that's okay. not going to happen, got let's it. have a night in. Okay. So we just I'm glad played I that. lots of a, like <laughs> still amazing <though>. dance tracks <laughs> and you know my the recapturing of my youth. And he filmed mm. a lot of that as well, which is quite embarrassing. There's <laughs> a lot of rapping happening. Um, I actually do think feeling, being married does feel a bit different, but maybe that's just me. Really? Yeah. Um, do you feel more grown up? I mean, not so much like now because we've been married like seventeen years yeah. now. But I think that first year, I was like, "Oh, it does." It did feel like a shift. Maybe it's because my parents had divorced when I was little. I think I had to think a bit. I always knew I wanted to get married to Richard, but then I was like, "Oh, what is what is marriage really about?" And then I think it felt like a lot of little things like. I don't know, stuff you might have bickered about or worried about kind of fell away because yeah. the big, bold stuff is we are on the same side with the We've majority of things. made that yeah. decision. and I think yeah. that, that mattered yeah, maybe. to me. But maybe, I guess everybody's got a different relationship with what 
that that is, and that's quite personal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly I don't give it too much thought, but some days I, I, I still am of the telling myself, I have a husband. Yeah, yeah. And I can <laughs> be like, somebody's wife. Well, you can that's be a bit like, crazy. yeah, or like, oh, well, I actually went really traditional. Like, kind I of know, that's kind yeah. of I, know, and well. I am quite traditional, and I think, no, I'm quite surprised. And I think, you know, his his parents were probably going, oh, you know, she's this famous chef or that's what they think I am. Mm-hmm. It's not what I think I am. I'm like, oh, oh, oh my God, no, like I'm just a girl. Like, and then like probably thought I had all these like, well, I need this and I need this and I need this. And I spent like three and a half grand on the whole party and like, <laughs> you know, totally forgot the flowers until two days in advance of the wedding. There was only 20 of us and, you know, it was... Fun. Yeah, yeah, just so, not low rent, but just so chill and lovely. And and just, it really wasn't a faff at all. And they were like, so are you going to keep your name? I'm like, no, I'm Mrs. Lynn. But if if I change my name on my books, nobody's going to buy my books because they're going to be like, who's this booze? Sabrina Lynn, no, I don't know who she is. So I said, for books, if that's okay, can I keep? And he's like, oh my God, of course, yeah, yeah. But I said, I'm going to literally change the day and marry you. I'm going to make sure everybody knows I'm Mrs. Lynn. And I am Mrs. Lynn, but for social and things like that, I'm gay or Lynn, so people don't think, I don't follow this person. Who is that person? And, you know, so, yeah, I'm quite traditional like that. It sounds, it's just so exciting that that can all, all this can happen in such a, a relatively short space of time, but with such such huge commitment and, and passion. And I think, I don't know, it just sounds like I, there'll be so many people, I'm sure, that will be so inspired about the idea of becoming a step-parent and, and just finding that family, proper family. Yeah. It's not just a role, it's a thing you're actually living. It's a lifetime commitment. It is. Because it, it is. would cause instability for you to not think about it properly before you entered it. Mm-hmm. Not your instability or your husband's, that's a whole other ball game but it would be a massive you know upheaval for the kids so you know and there are times that I think I can't do this and it, it's just too much homeschooling was a joy oh, yeah. I'd never experienced that's fun, and isn't it? It, that I did have a complete like meltdown and was like I can't do this this is too much we shouldn't get married oh my god ah you know I, I completely panicked and threw all my you know toys out the pram um but I think yeah, moreover, like in my husband's and I and I's case, you know, I don't get to go on holiday with him until, unless the kids are with us, mm-hmm. you know, until they're 18 or old enough to do their own things because we have a commitment to show up, pick them up 50% of the times. So some days he drives 200 plus miles to pick up the kids, take them to school, you know, and then drive down to work and then pick them up from school and then drive back home. That's over 200 miles in a day. Wow. Several times a week. Wow. And then taking them to football on weekends, those are all his commitments that he has undertaken by having children and doesn't complain about. Yeah. Because that's what it is. And I can't either because that's so what I've he accepted. Is. Yeah. And I understand that that's my, <clears throat> not my job because he never makes it my job. He never asks for anything, but it makes me want to do things for him and go, honey, let's look at the calendar and, okay, that's half term, right, I'm going to be here, I won't be working, I'll make sure I'm there. I was going to ask you, how has it changed your relationship with your work? Yeah, so he would never ask anything of me. He would quite happily suffer in silence if he needed something. But I make sure that I'm around for the summer holidays, particularly Christmas holidays is easy because, you know, we don't work around that time. Um, But then the half terms, the half terms are the the doozies that catch me off guard. Me too. Um, So... I always try to be there um, around those times because, 
even though he now actually works from home again. So it's it's a little bit easier, but I want the kids to sort of know that if their dad goes out, I'm there, you know, yeah. um, to, to at least sort of look after them, feed them. Feed them probably the most important Have thing. Have you changed anything about your cooking? <clears throat> yeah, so when they met me, they hated my food. Oh, no. I hated, and I, oh, I was wow. soul-destroying. <laughs> and I remember... That's brutal. It was brutal because they've just... But when they met, they just basically didn't really say too much to me for months. It was an observation period, I now realise. But I was just like... Because I always said, you know, I always thought kids love me because people tell me kids love me. People are always like, oh, my... You know, my daughter's not like that with anyone. She loves you and is always like, when's Auntie Sabrina coming round? And I had always been that person. And I was not that person for these boys. They were just like, and every joke that I, because I make a lot of jokes and I tease the kids and like, you know, constantly like tell them like, yeah, well, obviously you have to pay rent if you're living here. And they're like, what, what? You know, (laughs) I've always been that kind of sort of cheeky person to have a little bit of banter with them. But um, they, uh, yeah, basically just were like, kind of giving me funny looks. I can show you what this face is, but it's like, (laughs) Oh, God. And I'm like, either they think I'm deeply uncool. They're like, oh, like so cringe. Um, And the food, unfortunately, uh, yeah, it didn't fly. Like I had a pizza oven and, you know, these outdoor ones as a saviour, which, you know, I was lucky. Most people don't have one. I had one through COVID. And they're like, it's burnt. I'm like, no, no, it's not burnt. That's what the Italians call bruciata. (laughs) And they're like, it's burnt, you know, because they had a thing about burnt food that if if it... that's that's a thing, you know, if if food has black bits on it, it's burnt. They don't understand chard. They didn't eat this, they didn't eat that, they didn't like spice, they don't eat pork, they don't eat chicken. One doesn't eat cheese but eats bu- cheeseburgers and eats, um, you know, uh, that plastic cheese yeah, yeah. and things and he's fine with pizza. But if you tell him that mozzarella is a cheese, he hits the roof. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the other one peels the crumbs off fish, you know, fish fingers. Like there's oh. so many quirks yes. and none of them match each other. So whenever you're making, you have to make about 17 different things. Now I am into a routine, and it is a routine, because I hear that parents also get stuck in like five things on rotation. I'm in that, accidentally. (laughs) I'm also in that, because I know it just has a success rating. Yes. So there's like the, you know, tandoori chicken thighs. And believe me, if every now and again I remind them that it's thigh meat, they'll probably go, ooh, because it took me a long time to tell them I am not using breast in this house unless it's attached to a whole chicken. I want them to understand that chicken thighs are A, more economical for me. I'm a mum at the end of the day. And B, they taste better. So... It took me a long time, but what I do love about them now um, is they have quite exotic palates and I've never forced them to eat anything. I've asked them to try because I don't want to create trauma for them. It is trauma. You know, we all have traumas of being forced to eat things. All of us, yeah. Can't eat cottage cheese because my home ec teacher forced me to eat it. Can't, can't, you know. Um, So I just say... Kid, I'd be really, like, if you tried it, I'd be really grateful. You don't have to like it. I'm not going to be cross, but I will be more impressed with you if you at least give it a try. This is what's in it. This, this, and this is nothing scary. Mm. Now they love spice. I do Jamaican nights, Thai food nights. You know, they eat jollof rice, this African red rice, but they call it red rice. They don't know what it is, but they love it. You know, we eat Persian, Iraqi, Indian. I'm constantly having 
nights of foods from a different culture just oh, so they great. kind of understand. This is good rotation. If yeah, this I is mean, rotation for you, I'm in. I mean, I try. There's a, it's kind of like they're like, okay, we're done now. Like spag bowl is not allowed in the house because they've had so much of it and oh, they loved yeah. it that they're a little bit bored of it. So uh-huh. I do variations on. They love kebabs. They love kebabs, those kids. Ooh. And they love homemade burgers, which is like the easiest thing ever. Meat, smashed, salt, pepper, bun. We don't even bother with chips. That's enough for everyone. Wow. I need to try that, actually. That's a really good idea. <laughs> I'm getting some good ideas here. Have you, just to finish on there, is there anything that you've learned that would be helpful if, that you'd wish someone had told you about the road to being a lovely stepmom? It's you really, are a lovely stepmom, I can tell that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure they would agree. Um, I would say really, really think about it in the early stages of your relationship. If you're with a partner, you're really going to have to put your whole plans with your new love aside like you really will it still frustrates me to this day that I cannot be alone with my partner for very long for longer than two or three days that's the tops and it's not just the kids my mother's there as well sometimes you know but with my mother I can go you know you're going down to London great right I'm just gonna have a weekend with Stephen um really think about that and how willing you are to put to be selfless because if you want to be selfish and you deserve to be selfish because maybe you haven't had that in your life, then put yourself first. I'm all for people putting themselves first because we don't really do that enough in, in life. Um, so that's one factor. Um, but like where you see yourself losing your temper and maybe <clears throat> doing things the normal way that you've always done them, you might have to think about things quite differently. And if there are multiple stepchildren, I think it's really super important to understand each one's individual quirks, preferences, and build your discipline and also your structure of what's acceptable as love. Like Ollie will let me cuddle him every now and again and it'll become a bit of a joke because he'll be like, oh, get off. Connor will just go, <laughs> look at me and go, I don't think so. So I'll still joke about it with him, but I will always, even if they don't let me be physically affectionate to them, which I understand because they're boys and they're like, gross girls, um, I still reinforce messages of love, even when perhaps at the beginning hadn't quite got there yet. Yeah. I think consistency, care, and also explaining why something's not okay in a really calm fashion, usually after the fact, because I need to calm down. You know, there's sometimes there's tears in my end and I go lock myself in a room and go, I'm going to, you know, kill him. I'm not obviously going to kill him. <clears throat> Please don't write in. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you have those feelings and I always speak to Stephen about my feelings because yeah. I'll just go, oh my God, I just, I like in my head, that like today they're particularly hyperactive, for example. They haven't been, but, you know, I would say like, oh my God, I have visions of me like wanting to knock their heads together like coconuts. And he goes, oh yeah, yeah. It's totally normal. Parents do that all the time. I'm like, do they? <laughs> but because you're not a natural birth-giving parent, you're not sure. You feel guilt. There's a lot of guilt. So get ready for the guilt. Get ready for the feelings of inadequacy and incapacitation because you're not sure if you can do this or you're not sure if you're doing this right. There's a lot of that, but give yourself a break. I but think just... you basically also just describe being a parent full stop. 100%. And, and, and I think... <laughs> lose all your free time. Lose all your free time. Occasionally want to kill them. Have to lock yourself in a room crying, say, I can't do this. Uh, I, I mean, I would, I, would, I would have to say that I think full-time parents are going, it's a walk in the park 50% no, of the times. They're really not. Honestly, I think everybody understands that it's, co- it's complex raising a kid full stop. It's complex when you've got any relationship raising someone. It's a big deal. Yeah. 
But I think step-parent thing is a very delicate thing, but maybe there's also so much rewards. And I'm thinking when you were saying, you know, you got to your 40s and you were like, right, actually, that whole idea I had about, you know, getting married and the kids, I'm actually not that sure about that. I'm actually really happy. My life is sorted. And now you find yourself married, stepmother to two boys, but there's probably lots of things you learn about yourself in all of that. So much. And I'm also <laughs> just praying, I keep telling my husband, and I keep saying it in front of the boys because it's more of a joke than anything else. I'm just praying for you two to turn 18 and bugger off. <laughs> and they're like, what? No, because, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, when you're living one day, you know, when you're living with your girlfriend and they're like, uh, no. I'm like, well, who are you going to be living with? Dad. I'm like, in your dreams, dad and I are going to be in Thailand. Just so you know, <laughs> setting the expectations. We are not going to be here anymore. You know, like, and, and genuinely, like, a part of me is like, do not get it twisted. I'm going to be like running off into the hills singing, you know, this is the dawning on the age of Aquarius when you guys are free. You know, because I want, I do want my time and I'm constantly... This is the other thing I will say to a step-parent is if you're coming into somebody that's already a ready-made family, you have to make sure you're being very genuine with how you feel about your needs and expectations. Now, I'm lucky enough that I've done whatever work I needed to understand that my needs are, it's okay to get my needs met as well if I'm providing for other people. And I do tell my husband, you do know that I'm biding my time with you. I'll give all my love to your boys and to you because I expect at some stage in our lives for you to be free to travel with me and for us to do things that we couldn't do because we had small children in the mm -hmm. house. You do know that. Like I'm constantly, and yeah. he's like, yes, darling, I do know that. Of course, and I want those things with you. So make sure that your vision of you in 10 years time lines up with the one that your partner has. Yeah. Because if it doesn't, you're going to feel like you put all this effort in waiting for your like sweet reward at the end of it yeah. and you didn't get it. And then what are you going to do? Yeah, no, and resentment is a, an ugly thing. You <clears throat> want to avoid that at all costs. Just, you know, it could be the end of a relationship for no reason. Be real with your expectations on both sides at the beginning. And then, you know, I think that's just standard advice for a relationship. Make sure you know what you're getting into. Be real about what you want. Don't be surprised if, you know... Suddenly someone says, well, it was always this because you didn't discuss it, you know. Yeah. Discuss, constantly, constantly discuss things, even if they're uncomfortable. Oh, you're a very smart woman. I'm not, though. <laughs> you are. I'm a bit of a basket case and I don't feel, <laughs> I wish I could be like, yes, I'm actually writing my thesis on this uh, step-parenting luck, but I'm not. I'm like literally learning every day how to deal with one boy or the other and their relationship with their father, but also how to guide their father into treating them in a way that works for me and supports my discipline and you know without making him feel uncomfortable either so it's like it's a minefield honestly it's like a a pinball of shit like, <laughs> it's like a pinball machine where everything you bump into has a temper tantrum or an attack or a personal offence taken or an upset mm -hmm. or an apology, you know, it's constant, so... But you're also in the complex bit with having boys both in double figures if they're 10 and 13. Yeah. That's the most complicated bit, isn't it? Who and knew? I never knew boys had a... Age. Like, a, a, like, I know girls can be vile as teenagers because I was one, you know, mm. and, we, and it's also well-written. Nobody tells you about this period my husband has reliably informed me from 7 till 10 when boys get a shoot of hormones and start acting and 
co- co- acting, I was going to say acting like little twats because that's kind of how I am. I'm a very foul-mouthed stepmom. <laughs> but I don't let them ever swear. Mm. And I say, you know, when you're, because I, I don't know, I'm a chef and I worked in the city, you know, come on, I can't, I can't be who I'm not. I can mm. not swear at somebody's mum's house, but at home I'm quite awful. But I always with them when they first went to swear. I went, I'm, I'm sorry, what did you say? And they're like, um, I said, I said, oh, I thought you said that. But then I thought, no, because you know that you're not allowed to say those things. And they're like, but you do. And I said, you're right, I do. And that's not great. However, I also pay the rent. I also <laughs> own this house. I also pay the bills. And when you do that, you can do whatever you like. <laughs> so <laughs> I have that kind of relationship with them. And um, yeah, it's a mishmash. I just, it's, you know, there's a hundred million things to figure out. But what I do know is I my life is all the richer for having them in there. And I laugh about things I couldn't possibly have laughed about before because they weren't too quirky, inquisitive, downright cheeky boys, you know, before. But they are absolute smashers, the pair of them. And they are, you know, really, really lovely, even with all their mind-numbingly annoying flaws, which I'm reassured by other parents, by real parents. It's totally normal I think I've probably got quite a good deal really so god help us the teenage years I know yeah. also you know all of that stuff that's just a human being we're all quite common living with people is always I just want to hide I'm just already <laughs> nervous because I can they don't know it's coming but I know it's coming yeah you know, and I know exactly what I'm gonna have to deal with so I that that scares me a lot but I think yeah. I'm probably, probably have to reconvene in like ten years' time, two of us, and talk about that yeah. how it all went. Yeah. Me too. I think I think the weird thing about the teenagers is all like, the, the pre-adolescent, all of that is sometimes they don't know why they're having the big feelings they're feeling. Yeah, they don't know it either. No. So when you sit like think, look at them and think, why are you being so moody? They probably they don't always know why it is. And also, do you remember that thing when you're a kid and? I don't know, you'd go to a restaurant and they'd maybe give you the kids' menu and you were like, no, I should have the adults' menu, but then you also want to be, the, if they gave you the adults' one, you'd want the kids' the kids one. one. Just you like don't know what you want. You don't want to be left out of anything. And exactly, I think, you just I, want to put in both camps. I think that's the hardest thing. You really have to go over and above to make these kids feel comfortable because if you give them black, they want white. If they want, you know, white, they want black. It's just yeah. crazy... There are no rules. And just because it's happened, it, it's turned out that way once, that doesn't mean that that's also going to be okay the next time. Absolutely. You give them chicken once, they love chicken. The second time, oh, I hate chicken. I never eat chicken. I, know. I never eat chicken. Like, Why what? don't you I remember? You last week. I'm like, oh my God, somebody just shoot me now. It would kind of. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have all the same conversations in this house. Yeah. Well, thank you. You've given so much wisdom. <laughs> and now I would like you to please cook for us. Okay, good. <laughs> See, here is a household where nobody's going to moan about my cooking. Like, You're kidding me. I'm <clears throat> so ready for it. No, no moaning, just excitement. I'm um, happy days. No, Joy. no crazy palettes to deal with. No, no, no. You do know I don't like this. Yes, Ollie, I know. Like, I'll I tell you something really funny just before we go. My youngest son, he's got the weirdest habit. It's disgusting for everyone else at the table. <laughs> Anytime you serve any kind of meat, he has to have mint sauce with it. Oh. <laughs> he puts mint sauce over I don't think that's that weird. Everything is disgusting. Well, it's firstly, I like mint sauce. And secondly... On chicken, on sausages, on beef, on lamb, on everything. I, I get you... that. I really? Think he's a... Yeah, I mean, I had mine was ketchup, but we're basically just adding something sweet. And also, I quite like the vinegariness of mint sauce as well. And nobody at the table likes the vinegar. The... Nobody wants to sit next to him what? when he's opening the mint sauce. Ollie, did you say? He can yeah, sit he just literally put, puts it on his spuds, puts just pours. Oh, have you ever had pours. it on baked potatoes? It's really good. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
<laughs> well, you know what? Don't knock it till you tried it. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry. Please don't be put off from step parenting from anything I said. And please don't at me. <laughs> no, me neither. Especially not about mint sauce. <laughs> Unless it's a thumbs up emoji. <laughs> <laughs> See, how lovely was that? And do you know what I really like about how Sabrina talks about it is it's completely the real deal of what step parenting involved. It's interesting, actually, because it really made me think a little bit more about my step-parents and how it must have been for them stepping into my childhood, into my life. And it's so true what she says. It's actually not that I was thinking, oh, my stepmom or my stepdad is going to replace my dad or my mum. You're not thinking like that because you're like, well, I've already got my mum and dad. Their place is pretty, pretty darn set. I think it's more about, yes, that subconscious thing of you thinking, are they going to... Are they taking the you know the attention away from me? Are they taking my my parent away from me? Because particularly in the fallout of, you know, a passionate marriage leads to a passionate divorce, as my mum always said, and in the fallout of that, your relationship with your now single parent is really significant. You want to know that when you're with your mum or with your dad, that time is special and you're having that time together. So, having a step parent that really understands that you need that from them is really. It's really lovely to hear it articulated, and I don't know if I really thought about that aspect of step-parenting until I heard Sabrina talk about it. But also how lovely that she she was so clear about the boundaries and about the fact that she was coming in to help parent rather than just be, like, their dad's girlfriend. You know, she obviously thought, OK, we're going we're gonna to have a family family life here and it's going to be consistent and it's going to care about you and it's going to care about the kind of person you're growing into, you know, obviously, you know, the tone was set by the dad because that's his, his children, but I just thought that was really great that she kind of had a clear idea of how they were going to be a family and find their new their new dynamic. And it sounds like it's been a really happy thing. So I really like that. And that actually concludes the whole of this series. Can you believe it? That's um, the end of the series eight now. Wow, it's like two and a half years of of these conversations. Thank you so much. I I really, really, I know I bang on about this all the time, but I really do love doing my podcast so much. I get very, very excited about it. I'm always thinking of new people. I'll read a new story. I'll see something on my phone. I'll hear someone talking about someone. I'll meet someone at work and I'll think, ah, wouldn't that conversation be great to share? And I've already got a lot of lovely, lovely guests already secure in the diary for the new series. But, you know what I'm going to say here, please keep your suggestions coming to me. I really, really care about what you think. And I also have had some of my favourite interviews with people that weren't my idea. And I do read through all the comments and I think, oh, yeah, good idea. I check people out. Um, I try and get hold of folk. You know, it's sometimes people don't want to do podcasts. That's fine. But isn't it so exciting when they do? Because then I'm like, yes, lucky me, I get to sit down with this incredible woman and have a good old chat. And I've loved it. And I've got some amazing people lined up already. And I want to say a big thank you to all the people that helped make the podcast possible. So my team, as you know, it's small, but it's mighty. We have the brilliant Ella May, who does all my artwork and has done from day one. So that is the aesthetic of the podcast. And she's a complete delight to work with. So thank you very much, Ella May. Love your illustrations every week. I have my wonderful husband, Richard, who is my editor. 
So he goes through all this stuff, he makes it sound good, he takes out the coughs, the chair scrapes, the banging on the tables, the kids in the background, he makes it sound lush. And my fantastic producer, Claire Jones, who's been with me since day one, she has totally understood, you know, completely like what we wanted to do with this. We've both been on the same page. She's enthusiastic. She's incredibly professional. She's why the chats actually sound proper rather than just me talking into my phone like I do a lot of the time with my introductions. Um, she's brilliant at all that. She does the most beautiful notes after every episode so that it's all clear for everybody working on it, what's going on. And I think most significantly, actually, she's a proper cheerleader. Every time I have an idea about a guest, I'll send it over and she'll be like, whoop, whoop, sounds like a good one, and comes back with really good ideas herself. So thank you very much, Claire. But obviously the biggest thank you of all, well, my darling, it's you. Thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for being part of this lovely little community. Every time someone comes up to me and says they love the podcast, it makes my heart do a little jump. I absolutely adore it. And I will keep thinking of new folk. There's so many more people out there. So Series 9 will be back. I think, I mean, the latest will be January. If I'm really organised, I might do it before Christmas. But I think I might just leave it and do it in the new year. I feel like New Year, New Series makes sense to me. And let me get my ducks in order and do some recordings for you before then. So if I don't speak to you beforehand, have an amazing Christmas. I hope you have a really peaceful season and have some lovely people around you. And thank you for lending me your time and your ears. And yeah, lots of love to you and have a great time wherever you're up to. And I will see you on the other side. Bye. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.